Buckets of blood. Okay. Where did the concept of, of him as a Jedi come from? I don't think anyone in their in the right mind would want to call another person buckets of blood. I think there's someone in in a particular mindset that would call themselves buckets of blood. Welcome to Death Watch, the Star Wars podcast from a galaxy not so far away. I'm Chris Skull. Today we'll be talking to New York Times best-selling author of Ballad and Dagger and the lead story architect of the High Republic series, Daniel Jose Older. We're really excited to have Daniel on board with us today because one, we love Star Wars, and two, Mike and I were also architects, just of a different nature, uh, but, but design and world building as part of the creative process is something that we highly respect and love. And we want to discuss that further with someone who's on the creative side of Star Wars. So, Daniel, Daniel, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, well, first and foremost, how did you get involved in writing? Uh, what what life experiences have you had uh, that led you to this point? You know, I've, I've really always loved storytelling. I always knew I'd be in the creative world somehow or another. I wasn't sure how, so I, I did spend a lot of my life kind of trying out different things and seeing what really was going to be my voice. And I'm really glad I did it that way, honestly. I think there's a certain uh, idea, certain people's paths really just take them on a straight line and, and then they just, that's what they do. Um, for me, it was really valuable to have been a paramedic, to have been a musician, to have been an organizer, to have um, been a, a, a cartoonist when I was a really little kid. You know, all of those things really fed me and taught me a lot about uh, being a writer and, and about storytelling, about human you know, emotions and conflict and all this stuff that really makes a good storytelling. So I just really value all those different uh, directions that my path has taken me. I learned a lot. No, I, I appreciate that. I think it's always, especially as someone who's on the creative side, you mentioned there's never, there's never a singular path. You know, some, some career paths, there, it is, it is pretty linear, but especially when it comes to the creative side, you'll see different people come in from completely different backgrounds and walks of life. And then oh. all of a sudden it's like, yep, I'm I'm just making something new just because I can and I'm having fun with it, and exactly. and that's that's the beauty that's the you know beautiful part of it. Yeah. Well, how did how did you get involved in the Star Wars franchise in general? Because you were you've written a lot of work, especially uh, uh, young adult adult novels. Um, but how did you get into involved with the franchise? Were you already a fan before jumping on board with the High Republic? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been a fan my whole life. I, I literally Return of the Jedi was the first movie I saw at the movie theaters. I was three years old. And, uh, you know, since then, I've been a Star Wars fan, like a hardcore, (laughs) immersed in the lore and world of it, Star Wars fan. Um, So I've always loved it. So, you know, when they, they, at a certain point in my career, I had a couple books out, just like, I don't know, a couple books. And um, Mm -hmm. a couple years into my career, and um, they asked me to write a short story for the From a Certain Point of View anthology, which commemorated the 40th anniversary of New Hope. And mm-hmm. so, of course, I just jumped at the opportunity. Like, it hadn't even really occurred to me to write Star Wars um, up until shortly before that. I just didn't, I just, it just wasn't on my radar as like something I could do. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, they've been putting out great books for years, obviously. So uh, I was really excited about it. It was a really, really great and fun opportunity. And I let them know that I would be very interested to write a novel if that were to come down the pipeline or whatever they had available. I would be super excited to write it and then mm-hmm. a couple months later they did and they um, reached out about the Han and Lando novel which became Last Shot. Which, yeah which by the way my partner Mike got a hold of it um, he hasn't read it through it completely 
Uh, but when I asked him for the notes, he loves it, especially the humor aspect of it. Like it really feels like um, you captured the that relationship between Han and, and Lando, especially in that like in that time period. Right. Post it, it's post Empire, right? Post Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi, and then it jumps back into uh, like Solo era a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, which by the way, we <laughs> we we joked around and we've joked around on our podcast before. Um, we were excited about the Lando series that's coming out for, mm-hmm. for Disney Plus. And um, we <laughs> we want to pitch this idea that we're really hoping that we would see is that we want it like we want to come out like How I Met Your Mother. Uh, but it's from Lando's perspective. Right. So it's old Lando retelling right. his stories to like his daughter of young Lando and all his adventures. That's and we kind of saw that. We, we saw that in the solo movie right. where he's. Where he's like recording, you know, those holograms of of his own of his own stories. I mean, his his life is so fascinating, yeah. <laughs> and all the adventures that he's gotten himself into. So I would love to see something like that. I don't know if um, I don't know um, if you have any thoughts on what you'd like to see in, in that series. Oh no, I'm just excited to see it. You know, with the TV stuff, I'm just looking forward to everything coming out. It sounds really cool, so I'm excited. So what what's involved in being part of the creative side of Star Wars? Um, like who's involved in your team and you know, what's a typical brainstorming session like, uh, for you? Well, the main team, you know, is the, the, the five authors that have been kind of, um, they've been working on the main uh, story of the high Republic this whole time. Um, so it's me, Justina, Kev, Charles and Claudia. And we will, um, you know, we'll meet to break story kind of like uh, any uh, writer's room. If you can imagine what happens in a writer's room on a TV show, um people will toss out different ideas and that's kind of when we're talking about the meta story right because there are levels of story there's the big 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 beats of things that galactic wide events like the great disaster you know which really really opened up the whole thing and then we think about what different angles and how we get into the micro kind of layers of that and and with our individual stories right so as a team Mm -hmm. we really build the larger beats and some of the main characters kind of come out of those brainstorming sessions and then we kind of go off and do our own thing bring stuff back so it's a constant flow of leaving and coming back and then michael siglane i should say is the he's kind of like the uh, you know the the what's the guy's name nick fury of the whole situation you know so he really <laughs> um just organizes everything and, and gets things together he's a really thoughtful storyteller himself and editor and all that so that's pretty much how it works Okay, that's good. Yeah, because my that was going to be my follow up question is how much freedom do you have in this world building of the High Republic area? Because this is a a brand new chapter, figuratively speaking, in mm-hmm. in the Star Wars universe. It's never been told before. Yeah, and that's one of the appeals of it. I think for all of us as creators, is like it, there's always challenges of writing Star Wars in terms of your, <clears throat> but the most challenges and the joys of it is that you're in constant collaboration. You know, both with material that's been there for forty years and newer stuff and all along the way, right? So that's challenging when you're writing in an era where the main beats of the world have already been mapped out, right? So you're not gonna have a Jedi. It's gonna be rare to have a Jedi, you know, in the in the post-Order 66 world, right? Mm-hmm. There weren't mm-hmm. that many left. They're out there, but um, there's not that many. Or if you have a Jedi pre-Order 66, they're probably gonna die. And then, you know, there's, so those are major kind of like clamps on the storytelling. Um, and the High Republic era is totally free of that. We don't know 
anything about it except what we're building right now. And that's what's so exciting about it. So it's much less restrictive than writing in, you know, than when I was writing Last Shot, for instance. Um, mind you, I think those restrictions can be really great for creativity. I don't, it's not a, it's not always a burden. I think it can sound burdensome, but, um, you know, it pushes you in different directions. So it's one experience to write in a wide open era and there's another to write in a much more clamped down era and you create, you know, the best work you can depending on the circumstances. Yeah, I, I I agree. Sometimes it's best. Sometimes you know, depending on the circumstance when you're when you're designing or creating something, having a um, like a not a series of uh, what's the word I'm looking for, having an outline or certain restrictions allows you to focus. Versus if you have complete control, sometimes it's hard to just clamp, like you said, to clamp down on a, on a specific right. idea and, and flesh it out the details. But it's also fun just to write something completely new. And I, I can kind of tell because I, I follow through. I'm, I'm caught up right now in the uh, High Republic Adventures, the graphic novel. And I can tell you guys have been having fun with it. Oh, yeah. You know, not just from the from the writing perspective, but also from the artwork and, and the character building. Um, but, and to that point. You know, as a writer in this new universe, what what's some of your favorite parts that you wish you could dwell on or expand on? Like, do you have any particular uh, favorite characters that you've that you've written? Right. Um, I certainly have been like really one of my favorite moments in the opening five issues uh, is when Zine kind of uh, gets in touch with her anger. Let's say right at the very mm-hmm. end. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I think it's such a profound moment um, in in a lot of ways, in, in, in part because. I, I think sometimes we we either trivialize or just criminalize anger. And um, while what she does is wrong, um, or what she starts to do is wrong, um, I think it's also a really powerful moment in how they how the Jedi react to her afterwards, and that they don't banish her or or tell her she was like horrible person for doing it. They actually bring her deeper into the fold, and, and you know mm-hmm. really want to help her learn how to use the Force in a positive way. And I just think that's such a, a beautiful moment of the Jedi being, you know, living up to their compassion and their empathy that, that, that they're, you know, that we know them for. And um, I, I also think Jazine has a really interesting trajectory. There's a lot more ahead for her, of course. And and even in the first, in the very first issue, you know, there's so much complexity to her character and the choices that she's kind of forced to, to make. Um, mm-hmm. And then what she has to do beyond that. So Zine is definitely someone I'm really excited about. And then of course Lula too. They're they're so different from each other, but they really have a deep deep connection. And just this, I will say this: there's just so much ahead. It's hard for yeah. me to talk about it without being like because even uh, Farzala and Court in the next couple of issues, especially, we really get to know more, them a lot better, and we get to know more about their lives and what they're about and what they struggle with. And so that's also really exciting. There's just so much to come. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for it. Like I see that, uh, especially someone who's you know untrained. Her her character is someone who's just lived <clears throat> practically an, an orphan. Although she was, you know, even though she's in the community, it's hard for her to have a sense of place. And that can be very dangerous, especially for someone who's has this new power on, you know, that's completely unhinged almost. Um, so you can see elements where she almost, you know, almost loses that control with, you right. know, especially with her, her friend Crix, um, who also I'm starting to see some parallels with uh, almost like with Kylo Ren when he oh. was young and when he, he met with the Knights of Ren. So I'm, I'm starting to... But speaking of parallels, I do love, especially in the artwork, the parallels of the paths between yeah. uh, Zine and Crix. How they're literally, you know, they're juxtaposed together on the artwork, mm-hmm. but their stories are told at the same time. So that we know that this one's 
clearly going on a lighter side on a lighter path. This one's clearly going on a darker path. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, at its core, that's what Star Wars is, especially Star Wars stories where you have decisions to make and those decisions will have consequences and they can lead you down one path and down the other. Sometimes they're not linear. Right. Like we talked about, but your decisions, you know, your decisions matter and, and, and how they affect the people around you. So I'm, I'm very excited to see what we, what we see moving forward. Um, I, I have to, I got to take a second to make, to mention this, um, buckets of blood. Buckets of okay. Blood. How did you, where, where did the concept of, of him as a Jedi come from? Um, he was actually, uh, <clears throat> the original buckets of blood was a legendary paramedic in New York city. So when I was a medic, we didn't overlap, but I would hear a lot of stories about him. People used to talk about buckets of blood and he was famous for a, his name, which I, pretty sure he came up with i don't know that for a fact but it was kind of my understanding of i don't think anyone in their in the right mind would want to call another person buckets of blood i think there's someone in in a particular mindset that yeah. would call themselves buckets of blood it's hard to understand without really knowing how kind of being a medic works like there's a lot of glory in um you know the the trauma of the job to put it really bluntly like not that not that people get off on that, and it's not an adrenaline high, which I think people really must understand it. You're literally there to help save people's lives. And so you want to do your job. You want to be effective at your job, which means that someone's really bad day is a moment for you to step up and really do your job well. And that's what we're there to do, you know, besides have a paycheck and, you know, keep a paycheck. <laughs> we're really there to save lives. And that's um, that's a complicated thing to understand from the outside, I think. And um you know, there's a certain gallows humor that goes with that. There's just a certain weird outlook on life that can come with that uh, when you deal with death on a daily basis and when you sometimes get to stop death from having its day. So, yeah, that that, that always fascinated me, though, that someone would really take that moniker on to the degree that he did and, um, you know, that he was so proud of it. And he would come. It, it's also it, it's more so now very regular, like a very regulated kind of world in terms of what you do and don't say on the radio, on the EMS frequencies. And everything like that. But back in the, the heyday of Buckets of Blood, it was much more the Wild West from what I understand. And so he would come up on the air and, and address himself as Buckets of Blood to either accept or not accept jobs that were given to him, which is also something that you can't really do. So yeah. that always fascinated me, um, that it was so gory, but it was actually about healing. And it was definitely in a meeting at the ranch when we were just first hashing out the idea of the High Republic when they said, you know, what are some cool Jedi that you would like to see in the High Republic? And I was like, oh, 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 buckets of blood, you know. And then he went kind of went on the massive list of all the Jedi that we're talking about. And then no one used them for a while. Go figure. And then I was like, you know what? I need a guy to like be Yoda's second while they're out in the galaxy doing their thing. And I think I just put in a placeholder of Jedi or something that I hadn't really fleshed out. And then I was like, oh, wait, no one's using Buckets of Blood yet. That's my Jedi. Like, let me bring him in. And the rest is history. It was Harvey that made him a Chagrin. I think in the script, I just said, you know, someone big and imposing and intense looking, whatever species you want. And Harvey was, Harvey very wisely chose Chagrin. Has your rebel cell recently relocated and your home base is in need of a renovation? Was your Jedi temple burned down by an angsty Skywalker and now you're looking to rebuild? Or maybe you're just trying to add a few smuggling compartments to hide in during an Imperial search. Well, Delta Designers is here to help. Delta is a nationwide network of architects and designers led by Chris and myself. If you're ready to start that home renovation you've been putting off, click on the link in the show notes or shoot us an email to Mike 
at deltadesigners.com. Mention Death Watch for $100 off a feasibility study and make a plan today. This is the way. This episode of Death Watch is also brought to you by Skull Square Design Company. We're also huge fans of The Mandalorian, as well as Star Wars in general. And we wanted to share that love by making gifts for our fellow fans of Mando and the Child. Whether you wanted some flair while enjoying your favorite beverage in Oga's Cantina, or wanted to covertly show your support to the Resistance while exploring Batuu, we've got gifts for everybody. And not just Star Wars fans, but Marvel and Disney fans too. Check us out at SkullSquared.com or follow us on social media at SkullSquared. That's Skull with a C, as in... See y'all real soon! Yeah, you can definitely tell he's a formidable character. He's super tall versus like the the prowess and the wisdom of Yoda. Right. And and uh, but making someone who's that big and burly, you think that this is like this is the dude that that's going to help you out of a scrap and all he really wants to do is just heal and and be a, and be a medic and to teach others to, you know, I would imagine that his 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 style of fighting is um probably kind of like that in Aikido where it's less about trying to be offensive and more about defensive and using your opponent's moves against them or you know it's like you're not like you want to hurt the person you just want to stop the battle as soon as possible right and so i'm starting to i'm starting to see these in in these different in these different characters and i really appreciate that i also really appreciate the fact um that he and yoda both bake their own snacks and are and are (laughs) and love to share that with the padawans like i see this relationship happening you know they have it's more we know that the Jedi don't really form attachments. That's what we've always been told. But you clearly see, especially with with um, buckets of blood and with Yoda, that they really care about the Padawan, like as if they were their own kids. You know, they they yeah, really do feel like they're responsible for them. And that's so interesting because I don't think attachments, not having attachments, doesn't mean you don't love anybody, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. you're not attached to anybody. Those are actually different things. And and even that question it kind of asks us to unravel those different possibilities of can you love someone without being attached to them you must in fact and that, that is part of loving someone is is being able to let go of them sometimes and uh you know i think that that's a higher calling in a way and uh, you know i just love that the jedi order and the force itself kind of demand us to think more deeply about questions like that yeah i agree now um not to um, just a side note you mentioned that you went to the ranch you're referring to skywalker ranch right yeah <laughs> Just, I can't wrap my head around the fact that, you know, people just go to Skywalker Ranch and then that's like, that's where everybody goes to, to basically plan out and, and brainstorm. I think it's pretty, understanding that it's actually pretty rare to get there. So we were very, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't think, I think most writers get to go there. Um, at least not of books. So I know it was a very special thing and, uh, well, always cherish it. It was definitely one of the greatest places I've ever been. Oh, that is, that is awesome. Yeah. Um, did you get to meet the man himself? No, George Lucas. No. Okay. No, but just going on property is still pretty cool. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I want to focus on the the creative process. You know how, like for instance, if anybody who's listening to this and they're an aspiring writer or artist or or creative, what recommendations would you have? Like for instance, what would a young Daniel tell older? Well, Daniel older. What would an older Daniel older tell? A younger one now? Um, I really do think, you know, to kind of take it back to the beginning of our conversation, I think 
allowing yourself to go, to trot down multiple paths and allowing your own path to really be its own is really important to be an artist. You know, you have to be able to listen first and foremost, both to yourself and to the world around you. And that includes listening about your own process, listening about your own path. It's not going to be mine. It's not going to be, you know, anyone else's but yours. And that's really important to recognize because the worst thing is to go along a path thinking it's yours. I think it's the right path and it's someone else's path. And you've been, you know, I don't really think there is such a thing as being lost or being astray in the creative process because you always learn from everything that's happening. It all feeds you. Even the worst moments um, really do... Sometimes those are the ones that teach you the most, you know. So understanding that really does allow you to kind of ease your way into whatever it is you need to do and be forgiving of yourself and and allow your process to be what it is. You know, I didn't set out to be a Star Wars writer. I love storytelling and I love Star Wars. And if you put those two things together, that's what makes a good Star Wars writer. Um, And I'm happy to be here. And I'm also happy to write lots of other things that aren't Star Wars um, because that's my path. There's other people that only write Star Wars and that's their path, you know. So it really is a question. I think the earlier on you can do this, but really at any moment is best in your career, in your trajectory, because um, it's really not over till it's over. So there's no such thing as too late either. It's important to have a conversation with yourself about what does success really mean to you? What is it you really want to be doing? What are the stories you're really driven to tell and, and take it from there? Yeah, I really appreciate that. You um you always have to like have that, like you said, you have to have that conversation with yourself. Like what's more important. It could be, you know, it could be money. It could be fame, but it could also just be doing something that you'd love or making something that can be for the benefit of others. Right. You know, those, those are the questions. Those are tough questions you have to ask yourself that'll, that'll shape you. Um, someone, what are your, as a writer in this creative part of the star Wars universe and as a, as a creator and as a fan, what are your future aspirations? Like, what would you, would you try your hand in something other than writing? Um, like what? Well, you've mentioned before that you've done, that you've been a comic artist, that you've done uh, oh, the okay. visual arts before. Would you, I mean, potentially, would you try your hand at even directing? Um, yeah, directing maybe. Um, directing maybe. Not drawing, because I, I love, I still love drawing, but it's not. Not to do professionally, I just enjoy doing mm-hmm. it. Um, I do send sketches and stuff to the artists just so they have a sense of certain things that I do it rarely. But if there's certain things that I'm trying to conceptualize that are very complex or, or just don't quite get it with the words, I'll draw it up. Um, so you know, but that's about the limit of where I would go. But yeah, I, I love writing all mediums, you know. So whatever that might, wherever that may take me, we'll see. Okay. Yeah, that's good. What are you, in terms of uh, the future of Star Wars, what are you excited to see personally, like as a, as a fan? Uh, oh, what would you like to see more of? Definitely just all the stuff happening with The Mandalorian is amazing. Um, the Boba Fett, yeah. I can't wait for. Oh, yeah. Everything coming up, I'm excited for. I really, I will say, I really love um, what Charles is doing with War of the Bounty Hunters and just how big that crossover event is and how cool. I'm really happy to be part of it with uh, how about Zuckus and Forlorn One Shot that's coming out as part of that whole. Um, thing and, and that type of storytelling is so cool. It's in line with what we're doing with the higher public in that it's this multi-platform, well, singular platform, but multi-author story that's really entwined with all these different threads, you know, flowing through it. And I think Star Wars has just always been a really good platform for that because of how big the world is and how much how many possibilities there are for different stories within a single story, uh, which is never a single story. And so, kind of like yeah, you know, more of that. Yeah, it's a big universe, so there's still a big canvas to to fill. Totally. But if you could, but f- pulling from your experiences as a fan, 
uh, from previous stories, if there's anything that you could, you know, if it was you doing the writing, mm-hmm. if you could rewrite or you can add on to any previous story in, in Star Wars, what would it be and why? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, the High Republic is pretty much a dream project, right? Because there's so much room mm-hmm. to play. And I don't know if I would have come up with that answer if you'd asked me before I, was, I knew about the High Republic or before it existed. But um, just being able to write in such an open world, you know, before everything, just it's just the possibilities are endless. It's huge. And, and we've already only just begun exploring that, but there's so much yet to come. Um, so, you know, this... I, I think it's 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 perfect because I would have I would have said something regarding the like the old republic, but maybe not necessarily going that that far. Right, kind of like the same reason that you mentioned before is you're not tied into the uh, existing restrictions of the last forty years of storytelling within that within that era. You right. almost have like more of a of a of a blank slate to work with from all the time period before then. Right, but I'm also really excited to see the after. Mm-hmm. Because now that the new that, that the new sequels are 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 done, it's a big you know what now what what happens now because it's almost like a completely new world at this point. Yep. So I'm I'm personally excited to to see that. Totally. If I know that there's certain aspects of the future of Star Wars that you can't share, and and you know we want to respect that. Uh, but are there are there aspects of the High Republic um that we can expect to be told in other mediums aside from in the you know like in the graphic novel or in the written form um i don't think i can comment on that actually okay all right that's <laughs> that's that's fair right. so daniel thanks thanks a lot for joining us can well, you tell people how they can find you or maybe they, how they can reach sure. out to you about your other projects sure so everything is on my website it's my full name danielhoseolder.net D-A-N-I-E-L-J-O-S-E-O-L-D-E-R.net. Um, you can find my books there. I actually have a, a, a couple of writing classes online that you can access through there. Um, one is through a site called Noble that does audio classes, and the other is through Skillshare, um, which is video. So there's different uh, tidbits about writing and uh, fundamentals of writing. So, yeah, find me there. There's a blog up there that talks about my ambulance years, all that. Uh, all my books are there. Um, on social media, I'm on TikTok at Daniel Jose Older. I'm on uh, Twitter at DJ Older, and I am on Instagram at Daniel Jose One. Awesome. Well, that's all for this episode. Thank you all for joining us. If you like this episode, make sure you're subscribed to our podcast or get your friends to subscribe and write a review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way for our show to become visible to new listeners, and we, we can't tell you how much that means to us. Also, please follow us on Instagram at Death Watch Podcast, on Twitter at Death Watchcast, and on TikTok at Death Watchcast. And if you have any questions, any comments, did we miss anything? Uh, do you have a suggestion for an upcoming episode? You can feel free to email us deathwatchpodcast at gmail.com, and we'd love to feature it on future episodes. Thanks for listening. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way.